Brotaku, Men of Culture Games Weekly, Episode 2, recorded October 28th, 2019. It's about 4.17 in the afternoon. I am your host, Aaron, joined as always by my co-host, Jordan. Hello. How you doing? I'm glad to be here. We're back. We're back. We didn't get canceled. No, and we're it's two in a row now. Two in a row. Back to back. My goodness. Hopefully... I'm going to apologize right now I just as I hear my dog whining. I have my dog locked up because this mic picks up everything. And, of course, now he's whining, so it's going to pick up even more than if yeah. he was probably just downstairs running around. And also, like, half the neighborhood's doing yard work. So I don't know if people can hear that, but sorry. <laughs> it's not even, like, a sunny day or anything like that. It's just we, you just got to get it done, I guess, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it's getting to the point where... Hopefully we don't have to do too much more. I was weed whacking at work the other day, and I was bringing that sucker down to the dirt because I was just all like, I don't want to do this again this year. Yeah, just leave. The, things are dying. It's that time of the year where everything's dying and beautiful, beautiful and dying. You know, and there's some of the trees. It, we're finally getting to that fall look, but like, there's a, so many green trees around here still that when I see like the beautiful like red and like yellow leaves, I'm all like, yeah. Why do you get fall? <laughs> I'm just, my leaves are just going to fall off the tree green. Yeah, I just noticed that too when I was going down uh, Spring Creek. And um, just it's just the most beautiful road while I'm going 40 because no one's going the speed limit like they're supposed to on that road. But uh, I'm like, ah, oh, what a nice what a nice view when we get here and just the leaves just turn like dirt brown and fall off and crumble <laughs> and die. I saw a really funny like comic where it was this leaf fell off a tree and it was all the tree was talking to the leaf it's all like be blessed my child as you will renew the cycle and be nutrients to the next to your to the next leaves and then like some little girl like picks it up and like sticks it to like a scrapbook (laughs) and it's like (laughs) i like that anyway though we are a video game podcast and we're here to talk about video games not leaves yeah so we'll start the show as we always do with what have you been playing jordan i'm gonna start with you with me, well, I've been playing a disgusting amount of Monster Hunter still. Still playing Monster Anyone Hunter. Anyone that plays Monster Hunter will know that you do you don't just play like a little tiny session of Monster Hunter. It's it's a it's a long It's like eight hundred hour session. I am almost at a thousand right now. Oh my and that's that's crazy. Yes. But an expansion did just come out mm-hmm. and like you said, this is a game that is that's what this game wants. You are Capcom is sitting there like, Thank you, Jordan. Yes, Give us I'm, a couple more dollars. <laughs> I'm not even at the end game, and I've already put 200 more hours You're into it. You're not in the end game of I'm, Iceborne yet? Not even, no. It's it's crazy how much they put into the game just from that. And I played the heck out of the first, uh, like, yeah, just so the base game. Yeah, so it's not like you went into, it's not like you were playing catch-up or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I at first when it came out, I didn't even buy it on the first day it came out. I was just like, whatever, I'll get to it when it gets to it. It'll be there waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, you have everyday things. You have to go to work and things like that. And then on days off, you have the all worst. these... The worst. Just the worst. <laughs> I, I just play games. I mean, I go to work until I can come home and do something else, just like everyone else. But, you know, it's, it's very RNG-dependent, so... You, uh, not RNG. Yeah, RNG-dependent. <laughs> And I could just want one item off something, and I might have to kill a monster three or four times to get it. And each one takes about ten to fifteen minutes if you're good. Twenty and, if you're. You and know, that's just including day. doing it. Like that's not the prep work that. And yeah, goes the into prep some work. Of this stuff. I'm just looking at like my pieces of armor and weapons, and I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, oh god, 
God. It, my, if you talk to my friends who I hunt with, it, it may take like 10 to 15 minutes just planning the hunt that yeah. takes 10 to 15 minutes. That's just crazy. That's part of the reason I like Dauntless so much is I like that it, it gives me that Monster Hunter feel, but like way less prep work. It's just like throw your gear on, pick your potions, and you're yeah. off. And Seth even, even goes like, I'm surprised you like this game, Jordan. This isn't seen that this sort of like min-maxing isn't the sort of thing that you I thought you liked because... I've played game with, games with him where I pick a different weapon just because it looks better. I'm like, oh, it's a DPS decrease, but, you know, at least I don't look like a stupid idiot. Whatever works. Does it have microtransactions in it at all? Or Absolutely not. No. Everything, like, transaction-wise is for, like, cosmetics. So you buy the game and you get the game. Yes. Not a single piece of it is unlocked through, like, through purchases everything that there's an in game there's not an in game store it's it, on the ps uh network store or whatever like that mm-hmm. the only things you can buy from it are are armor related and when i mean by armor related i mean cosmetics like there's things called layered armor which is pretty much like transmog okay but like it is technically microtransactions are there it just does not affect yes the it, it okay. is not pay to win in any percentage but is, is the armor like the coolest looking armor? Because that's how they get you. At first, yeah. <laughs> and then they just started adding things into the game naturally. The At first, that was the only transmog available was was through the in-game store. Okay. And we were like, okay, whatever. Uh, but then as the game progressed, you could start unlocking it by you know grinding and doing things like that. At this point, any game that you have to put, like that asks you to put hours upon hours in that is gear related there should just be transmog there's no reason not to have it <laughs> yeah because like, you look ugly as hell even one that one of the, the blacksmith that you talk to in there that you know gives you the transmog and stuff like that he's like hey you need to stop walking around looking like a clown with that mismatched armor he's like this guy knows he knows what you're wearing it, it, it doesn't match and it needs to be done right like it needs to be done like World of Warcraft. For as many issues as there are with the modern version of the game, like you, you get a piece of gear you can use, guess what? It's just in your transmog now. And it didn't always used to be like that. It took them time to get there. But it's just one of those things where it's like there's no excuse for it just not to be there from the beginning, I feel. Yes, there's a lot of quality of life things where I think, it, I don't even think Diablo had that until Diablo 3, right? Where they had the transmog Yeah, system. I really didn't play a lot of Diablo 1 or 2, but I'm pretty sure transmog was a Diablo 3 thing. It should just be a thing for everything. That, that, like, again, like, like what I'm saying, especially like I can understand if it's just a game that you want. It want if the game just wants you to play through it and be done with it, that's fine. But if yeah. it's a game that you're wants you to just keep playing it, yeah. even when you're quote done, let me look cool. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, played a few league games last night. Ooh. Yeah, gosh, that was. I'm sorry. That was a mistake. <laughs> it felt really bad. I I played with your sister, uh, so it was like it was fun for a bit. And then everyone just started getting really sad. Oh, I'm sure. Because the next thing you know, 45 minutes of your life is gone and you lost. Yeah. It, they give you the surrender, the, an early surrender feature at 10 minutes in. No. Where it's like... Never. Wait, no. It's 15 minutes in, I believe. We are playing this full 45-minute match, That's Jordan. what I'm saying. It's it's The 15 minutes are... Uh, it happens. It's an early surrender. That's if either someone disconnects or like... Or like you know the whole team knows they're going to lose. Like, we're like, you know, they have 20 kills up on you or whatever like that. There's everyone lost their lane, things like that. And um, and that's just the early surrender button. And that never passes because there's some chump that got a kill, like, 10 years ago that's like, we can still do it, guys. I'm like, this isn't an anime. The power of friendship will not help you through this. We, we, I want to leave and play a different one. I was about to say the 
one issue that I think MOBAs need to solve is just the snowball effect. Yeah. Like, and, once one group gets a major upper hand, if all skills are even, it, it's done. Like Heroes was, was great at comebacks as well. It was good at comebacks, and the matches didn't last 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what, you were out 15, 20 minutes? Even a really close match never lasted more than 30 minutes. Yeah. And when I mean by close, like, everyone's, like, 26, 27. It takes a long time to get to that to that point but you're just so focused in league that 45 50 minutes i've been in hour games and you know lost those or won those and the the i think we talked about on the first episode the feeling of winning something long like that is is easily surpassed by just the relief of being out of it (laughs) (laughs) and it's not it's not compound either i'm not getting both good feelings the relief goes above the feeling good about winning. I'm just like, thank God that's over, and I didn't waste my time. I need to start playing again, and I need to decide what kind of person I'm going to be because I'm going to be one. Of, I'm going to be one of the extremes. I'm either going to be the guy that we're getting our butts kicked, and I'm all like, no, we're playing the full 45 minutes, or I'm going to be the guy that when we're winning, I'm like, let's surrender, guys. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> you can be both. We we've, we've been that way before. I mean, just last last night we were having a lot of games where I just wanted. I just wanted to surrender immediately. Like I was like, okay, well, this is a scoop. I wanted scoop. to be like, I wanted to Uno it. I just. <laughs> oh my, we we should play Uno someday. Like yeah. when we get the camera going, but like serious, like table Uno. We'll just set a ta- uh, camera up at the table. Yeah, Uno. yeah. Maybe just like have a little chill out session where we'll have a just play some card games but tyler will be there (laughs) keep things spicy hi tyler (laughs) uh so you've been playing some monster hunter and you've been playing league of legends anything else the only other thing like i said sims i guess i've been playing a lot of that just bought a couple expansions hey you know i mean i picked it up for free when it was free on origin a couple months back but i haven't touched it since i'll be playing it for like i i played it for a whole day one one day when i had a day off and i just kept going because it's an easy game where you can like you can listen to music you can like eat something else or while your guys eating yeah while you're eating just like there's a lot of time to pass as well can your sims make a podcast (laughs) There's there's video game there's gaming live streams in Sims. You can Perfect. have a profession where you can Perfect. be a professional gamer. Stream and it says you can stream. <laughs> That's something you could do on your off time to make money, and you just see like one dollar like pop up every once in a while. Which if you play The Sims, is no money at all. One Simulon is like worth a penny in our world. Right, right. But besides that, it's it's pretty funny how in depth it is. Now is. I'm not plugged into The Sims, and maybe you're not this plugged in. Is there going to be a Sims 5 someday? I feel like yes, you've been doing Sims 4 it. forever. They announced Sims 5. Did they? Okay. Yes, and I hope they stay with the direction they took in Sims 4, which was, in Sims 2, you still had that cartoony feel in The Sims, which, like, it's it wasn't held back by, um, by the technology. But when you got the technology, they started making things more realistic, and I was like, ugh, I don't like this. Like, it, the faces look weird, and, like, things are too real. You know, I want to play a game. I'm playing this game because I, you know, escape from reality. I want to get my life together in a simulation <laughs> instead. And then, it's uh, a lot less work. Exactly, and they changed it in, uh, in Sims 4. They kind of, like, melded the two together. So it's like, kind of realistic, but they kept the cartoony feel, and I'm like, I like this better. Okay. But then... 
you know, it's owned by EA, so it's melting a hole through my wallet. Well, and that's, I feel like the, it's always been the problem with Sims, because, yeah. like, I was really into the original Sims way back oh, yeah. in the day, and I bought a good, I don't think I had all the expansions, but I at least had three or four of them. And then Sims 2 came out, and it's all like, start over. Yeah. You want to buy the expansion that and had that And that one had the most, had? that yeah. one had the most expansions that I've seen at all of them, and then now they're just trying to, uh, I think, uh, gamers don't, like, I guess, quote-unquote, gamers aren't really into Sims 4 uh, or any of the Sims games, so it doesn't get brought up as much about how much it just drains. I think it's around like $600, $500 for all the expansions mm. not on sale. And they, at least, I will say, and like obviously because they probably put them out so quickly and in smaller quantity yes, updates exactly. now, at least they still like try to lie to you and call them expansions. Because <laughs> like, I don't mind buying expansion pack stuff, but when you're just all like putting out like a chair for $5 every week, it's like, ooh, that's gross. You just use all three words at the same time for what they describe all their things. There's expansions, packs, and then stuff. I'm not even joking. The small, like stuff is just like little tiny things. Packs are like a bundle of stuff, and then expansions are the ones that like put in like changes in uh, in game mechanics and stuff like that. Folks, I'm not one to tell you how to spell your money, spell your money, spend your money, but don't buy stuff. Like, yes. don't buy the single chair. Yeah, don't buy the chair for like a dollar. Like, just you're like, oh, that's nothing. But if you put five of those chairs together, that's like a meal in real life. That you're not eating because that's of those a double cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I started when I moved out on my own. That's how I started nickel and diming things. I was like, how many? How many Sims chairs can I buy? Yeah, with this? How, and I was like, how in reverse wise? I was like, how many meals can I eat with this? Welcome to adulthood, my friend. Sixty dollar game here is us. like worth like a grocery store visit and a half. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I'm actually, I'm going to be putting together, speaking of that, I'm going to be putting together, especially going into the next year, I want to put together like a series on on gaming on a budget. Oh, yeah, and I, I love mean, that. Hey, you're, and your first two games that you talked about, those are perfect games for this list. Just huge a, time spenders. A huge time spender that you buy once and you have, and a free-to-play time spender. <laughs> yes. All right, my games so I've been grinding away on ye old WoW Classic. I'm level 52 now. Man, it is... It's brutal. Wait, last week you were 51. I know, I didn't play much this week. We'll get, we'll get to the game I've been playing this week. But um, just been grinding a little bit away on that. I've just I've been waiting for like my rested experience. So like I, usually I can get out and do like two or three quests a day, and then my rested experience is gone, and I turn in those quests, and I log off, you know, get about five, six bars, so... Over the course of four days, forget a day here or there. I'm not, I'm in no rush because the guild I'm in, I'm a I'm considered a backup raider at this point since I didn't rush, nor can I really make their raid times. So at this point, it's actually more advantageous for me to hold off and let the other hunters in the guild gear up. And then I so can you get go all in, the good yeah, stuff the good when stuff. you join. Yeah, oh, hey, playing the long yeah, game. Playing the long game. Uh, logged on to the Modern WoW. For a little bit, because I'm very interested in the Volpira with 8.3, and then I'm of course I want to make sure that I I'm ready for the next expansion that I assume is going to get announced this weekend at BlizzCon. So I've been working on my flying still in for Battle for Azeroth stuff. I'm just waiting for the emissary to be the reps I need, so I, I'm going yeah. slow with that. And then of course I'm still working on my Volpira rep, but. 
Two new games I've been playing this week, Jordan. Like I teased last week, Ring Fit Adventure yeah, for the how Nintendo is Switch. That? Um, to simply put it, it works. I <laughs> so when I started the game up, it's like, how physically active are you? And I go, I run three miles, like three times a week at least, usually. So I'm like, eh, intermediate, you know, like I'm not like fit by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I do work out. And my goodness, I did like 10 minutes the first day and like running and using some of these muscles that I'm using, two different things. So the combat in the game is really interesting. So it's like it's like a turn-based game. So you're selecting your moves and every move is an exercise. Oh my lord. And to start out, it was all like, do squats, do squats, more squats. And so like I did like 200 squats the like first two days I played this game. I played about four times. I have to take days off in between just because it, like, kills my body. Wow. And um, so that's really cool. And I've gotten to the point in the game now where I unlock some power for my ring guy. And every, like, muscle group is split into colors. And the bad guys are all different colors. And you have to, like, match. And that's how it tries to get you to switch. Oh, my and you goodness. So you'll do more damage. And what what... The enemy design's really fun because a lot of the enemies are like dumbbells and stuff like that. Like the the main bad guy, there is a little bit of a story to the game. Like the main bad guy is this dragon who's been working out, and like the <laughs> second time you fight him, like he like there's these two guys that don't that look kind of weird, but then they like turn into dumbbells, and he just starts like lifting them like mid fight. <laughs> and like I said, it it just it works. It's the story is cheesy, but the exercising is like. I mean, you're not going to get ripped off of this, but, like, it's a... I feel like this is what I need, because, like, I've always wanted to, like, get to a gym and do some, like, light weightlifting. Like, I don't want to, like... I don't want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything, but I'd like a little more strength in my life, especially as I get older and older, and it becomes harder to build muscle. But, like, this is a good place to start, I feel. Like, if you can build, like, a steady routine with this, it might be easier to translate over to something like that. Well, here's my question for that, then. What's bringing you back to the game? But besides the feeling of the exercise, because you just, this is a fun way of introducing exercise to, you know, your gaming time, pretty much. You can do both at the same time. You can enjoy the escape from reality that games bring you. At the same time, you get some exercise. But what's going to, once you beat the game, what's going to keep you going back? And honestly, that is what I'm curious to know, because that's what is bringing me back right now, is that it's gamifying my life like i enjoy the fact that you know i'm doing like these arm pulls or whatever with the with the ring con and it's all like you just got some experience like i love the idea of life just being like an rpg i almost this got me thinking it'd be fun if there was like a cell phone app or something and maybe there is maybe i just haven't looked and that like everything you do in your life you're all like hey i read for 20 minutes today and it gives you experience and it levels you <laughs> like up like a little know? side quest like, I, I don't know i, I just kind of like that thing so that is the good question once i'm done Will it bring me back? There is a mode in there that just has the exercises. So I could do that. And, you know, I could always play back through with different difficulties because I've had to drop, I had to drop the difficulty after week, after day three, because it wanted me to, again, it had like one of the first moves you get is squats. So you're doing like 200 squats at 30 each set. And I'm just like, no, I don't, no more. Like I can't do 30 each set anymore. So like I dropped it down. <laughs> so I was only doing like 20 each set. I'm like, I just, I couldn't keep up. But that is a good question. Uh, I don't feel like I'm going to be done with this game anytime soon. Again, because it is a game you put in so 
so little time. Yeah, and you also can't physically yeah, progress like you can't because physically you're tired. <laughs> but what's interesting about it though is it almost kind of makes it immersive. Because like if yeah, you were if you were a that. hero in an RPG swinging your sword fighting these guys, you'd be tired. Yeah, you so want to like just go to the next one. And you're like, I gotta keep going. As silly as it is, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm done. Uh, one of the cute things I ran into where I'm at, and I'm not very far. I'm only in World Three. But one of the cute things I ran into is the potions or smoothies. <laughs> well, I think that's awesome because you're actually gaining experience points in real life. Like you're physically getting stronger with your character with this. Hopefully, play, uh, ring fit adventure today, lifting cars tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna get Arnold. That's amazing, though. I I really like that because before that we had like Dance Dance Revolution, Just Dance, things like that. Just, Please bring back Dance Dance Revolution. I want to. I I was getting such a hankering, and we um, at my work we almost brought it in because my friend had a game uh, emulator and. We were going to, he brought his pad with like, it was rolled up and I was like, I can't do this at work, man. I, maybe for Christmas. I don't know. I'll, I'm going to take a look. I've looked into Dance Dance Revolution earlier in this year, actually. And my issue is, is those mats destroy so fast. I want to get one of the nice metal mats. Yes. I mean, that was the only thing bringing people into arcades was like, you would see that. Dude. Like, you know, back in the, the 90s and stuff like that, our, our parents had that whole like, going into like arcades and stuff like well not 90s but you know what i mean back when they had arcade cabinets um and they would just watch what that are those? i know what's an arcade cabinet <laughs> we know what those are we're we're old enough we know what vhs Aladdin's is castle chair by more <laughs> but like that that was our those were our cabinets like seeing those guys at the at the dance revolution holding their hands on the like the rails and going for the hardest song those were the heroes i know nickel world still has a ddr machine does nickel world still around nickel world is still around my friend a little kid at where i work came up to me the other day and was like i had my birthday party at nickel world and i'm all like my man raising them right raising them right and my final game i want to talk about this week a game I've put 11 and a half hours into over the course of Friday through Sunday night. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot for you. My game of the year so far, Jordan, I'm pretty sure. Like, I feel like WoW Classic in the long run I enjoy more, but that's a That was your game year, of, your, of the year other year years game. ago, yeah. My game of the year so far, The Outer Worlds. So this is scratching that Fallout itch for me. But what I enjoy about it is it's not just straight Fallout. It feels more like Fallout married with a with a um, Mass Effect or or like a SWOTOR, a Bioware RPG. If well, that you makes will. sense considering uh, Obsidian's roots with them with developing KOTOR 2, yeah. yes. But what, what I really like about this is, like I said, it's scratching a niche. So it's not a complete open world like Fallout is. It plays a lot like Fallout. It doesn't have FAPs, though. Because it actually has competent shooting. And what's FAPS? VAPS, VAPS, VAPS. It's the... Oh, VATS. Oh, VATS, okay, okay yeah, yes. sorry. It's... <laughs> VAPS. <laughs> it's, that's the auto-target, and yes. I am convinced that only exists because Bethesda... It's Bethesda proper doesn't know how to make a first-person shooter. That's why I they bought it. I don't use in. that feature in Fallout anyways. See, like, that's interesting. I couldn't imagine trying to play that game without it's using It's just that. a waste of time, in my opinion. By the time you you shoot a couple of ATS rounds, like 1, 2, 3, 4, you could have just emptied your whole clip into them on your own without going into VATS. Right. Just get good. So to make up for not having that, it has like a little slowdown 
thing where you can slow ah, down time yeah. and kind of so it's got line, bullet time help your shot line up. Yeah, but so it's it's not open world like Fallout. It's more set up like planets, like a slow tour or something. One of those yeah. Bioware RPGs. And what's neat about it, and I noticed, so the first there's like completely different sections that are not connected on each of the maps. So like I went the first world I was in, I went there. I went to another area for a little while, and then I came back to that first world, but I was in a completely different part of the planet. Like, I couldn't just, unless I got on my ship and went to the first part, it wasn't connected. So there are all these, like, different zones in the world, It's almost. Oh, I see. And I don't know how many there are. I just know the one planet with two. I mean, there could be three, four, five, for all I know, in that zone. But what I like about this is I don't get that overload quest fatigue. And The Witcher 3 is my prime example of that, where, like, you get on the, this big open world map, and that one's even split into three, but it's those maps are much bigger. These are smaller, confined play spaces, and there's just too much to do. I get overloaded. Like, I'm so distracted by side stuff that I never get back to the main thing. And we talked about that last episode with just having too much choice. Exactly. Like, too much choice in video games can be could hamper it without direction mm-hmm. and as long as like it there's this fine line of like having your your side choices be like very close to the main objective like it's you don't feel like you're going too far out of your way and if you are there's a there's a big cluster of side stuff to do not just like you go here you do one thing you go back you come here you do one thing you go mm-hmm. back that's i feel like i'm wasting time when i do that now the the efficiency part of my brain there's there's like this little muscle in there I don't know what it is mm-hmm. but when I go over to an area and then I have five or six things to do over here I feel great when I come back and exactly. I finally turn it all in at the same time and it kind of has that classic wowish feel where like there are a lot of times where you go into a town and you just pick up like a massive yeah, little quest and you go out and do <laughs> New them and place, then you come bring get them everything. back um, and what I like about it is, like, this feels like a real, like, Dungeons & Dragons-esque campaign where there's, like, certain quests that, like, you can just keep going down the rabbit hole. Do this for this person to get that for this person. Or you just go upstairs and steal whatever you want. Like, like you, could, it's, you can play it. Like, it's really good like that. Um, talked about gameplay. There are, like, no bugs. I feel like Bethesda, and we're going to talk about Bethesda later on and some of the choices they've been making. But they're in trouble. Like, we had CD Projekt Red launch The Witcher 3, which ran great. And now Obsidian, and this wasn't even Obsidian with Microsoft money. Obsidian now has Microsoft money going into their next game. Like, imagine what they can do if this game doesn't have bugs before that. Like, I I just, I don't understand. I mean, Bethesda's in trouble. Like, I have no confidence in Starfield and Skyrim six especially after this fallout 76 debacle where they're just all like oh like the jank's part of the charm it's like it used to be part of the charm when it was amazing to have a game that big but now we have games that big that run yeah it was the potential that that the gamers saw and that's why they put the time into modding it and things like that Mm -hmm. they had so much creative freedom with with it but it wasn't intentional and then when it became intentional from the developers from bethesda that's when we were like, okay, maybe you should just, you should try a little harder. Maybe release a game that's not just full of it, just full of bugs. We can handle a little bit of jank, a little bit, just because if we believe in the overall product. But if there's too much jank, that's that's crossing a line. Uh, I just wanted, I did want to just slightly touch on the graphics are amazing in this game. I have a 3 gigabyte 1060 
and I'm running it on ultra high at 60 frames and it looks amazing. I can only imagine what this could look like if you could crank this bad boy up to 4K. So like if you have an Xbox One X, I'm sure this thing is just gorgeous. But the problem with the consoles is I think you can only run 4K or 60 frames. Just a problem they have. Oh, but, I see. Um, it's very, and I think part of what helps it is it's colorful. So many games are just like bland looking today. Like they have like, a, a, like a tint over it. Yeah, like this is just, because some of the, and it depends on the planet. There's some bleak planets I've been to that are not, that are supposed to be like run down wastelands. But like I'm on a, I'm on a planet right now where there's like mushroom, like giant mushrooms and trees growing. And it's just everything, like the greens, the reds, they all pop. Looks very nice. And they're always so, good at that too. I, I noticed when they when they did um, Knights of the Old Republic, that's the one I know the most. And also they also did New Vegas, which the even then, even in New Vegas, I could understand the difference between that and something that uh, Bethesda did themselves. Uh, even though you know they they had influence. And right. wait, it, yeah, Obsidian did New Vegas. Obsidian um, did New Vegas. They also did Fallout One and Two, which were completely different style games than what Fallout is today. Yes, and what people hated. And three, then Bethesda four. bought it and got three and four. Yeah, seventy six. There was just little zones like you would be in the obviously Vegas, like the area around Vegas is a desert, and that's mm-hmm. what most of that game was. But there was little pa- pockets and sections. Like there was an area in the north that was just full of mountains that had snow everywhere that had super mutants, a super mutant community that you could talk to. And then you went to the corner, and there was a vault that was just overgrown with plants and like foliage and and like plant creatures and stuff like that. And you would think of an area like this desert place would just be just pure, just one color. Everything was the same, but. They're really good with that. They have a lot of experience. I like that. Yeah, I definitely... I want to go back and try some of their more recent games. Sorry, I'm going to make a noise real quick. I'm going to scoop that. Um, I'm more interested to go back and try some of their more recent games, even like Pillars of Eternity now. Like, I'm totally... I'm, I'm in on Obsidian. Like, I never... I knew they were never, like, a bad studio, but, like... Yeah. I was like, have I been missing out? Like, Relatively unnamed, is, yeah. quote-unquote, until now. And, I, I yeah, I don't think that would be an issue anymore being owned by Microsoft. They're going to get a lot of exposure, and especially because, like I said, that... This game came out, like, we'll get to it in the news. We're about to start the news. Yeah. Bethesda, like, just, like, gave them a beautiful, like, curveball. And they just smacked... I feel like they've smacked it out of the park now. If People it, people need to give it a chance. Okay. All right. Let's jump in with some news. We'll start with Sony, number one. I got burned last week, Jordan. So, being our first episode, I didn't want to go back too far on news. But I also wanted to bring up news that I was excited about recently. And one of those was the Last of Us 2 announcement for the release date. Well, so that was about a month ago. I just want to preface that. That being said, the Last of Us Part 2 has been delayed until uh, (laughs) May 29th, 2020 from its original date of February 21st. Word comes from game director Neil Druckmann on the PlayStation blog who said the following. And this is kind of long, but I did want to read his whole statement. Quote, I know it has been... Just about a month, oh, excuse me. I know it was just about a month ago when we had our big blowout for the game, letting media play over two hours of it along with debuting our new story trailer and revealing the release date. The positive response we saw from our community was overwhelming. You can feel the energy among team members. After working on something for so many years, it's invigorating to get a glimpse of validation for all the hard work. However, it was during the last few weeks as we were closing out sections of the game that we realized we simply did not have enough time to bring the entire game up to levels of polish we would call Naughty Dog quality. 
At this point, we're faced with two options. Compromise the parts of the game or get more time. We went with the latter, and this new release date allows us to finish everything to our level of satisfaction while also reducing stress on the team. I want to interject here. That sounds like bullcrap to me. These poor people are probably going to be crunching for however many more months that is, two or three. Back to the quote, though. While we're relieved that we won't have to compromise our vision, we are disappointed that we weren't able to avoid this exact situation. We wish we could have foreseen amount, the amount of polish needed, but the size and scope of this game got the better of us. We hate disappointing our fans, and we're sorry for that. We hope you understand that this additional time ensures that The Last of Us Part Two will live up to our collective ambitions, as well as our commitment to the highest level of quality. We know an extra few months will add to what may already be an excruciating wait for us all. We are grateful for your patience and continue to support. Come next May, you will finally rejoin Ellie in The Last of Us Part Two. End quote. The original Last of Us, worth noting, was hit by a similar delay at a similar time in its development. Naughty Dog at the time said that those few months were what turned the original game from a good game into the masterpiece we received. Kotaku's Jason Schreier also tweeted that he heard this delay has also, in do- Ooh, has also internally delayed Sucker Punch's Ghost of Tsushima, although that game has not had a public release date to this point. A good game is... A delayed game is eventually good. A bad game that isn't delayed is always bad, however that Miyamoto quote went, right? <laughs> I do agree with that, too. I've, I've always been the one like... Well, first of all, Last of Us by itself could... If, if there was no part two, we would have been fine with it. And the fact that we're getting a part two uh, is just like... I don't know. I don't think the wait is as excruciating. It, it's something to look forward to, of course, but it's not like... And I also want to know how it ends as well. But at the same time, I, I, I can wait. I yeah. can wait for them. <laughs> I, I, and I feel like that's what's so exciting about it. Is like you said, the original game could stand on its own. Yes. Like that could have just been a one story and done kind of thing. So the fact that Naughty Dog felt they had another story to tell, I trust them. Give them all the time they want. Like I feel like that's part of what makes Sony games so great is they're willing to give their developers the time. Like I said, now, I hope this is literally for some sort... I hope this is so they can take their time with it, but, like, you just hear so many terrible stories about these, like, studios crunching, like, 18-hour days for, like, months at a time to get games done. So I just worry a little bit, especially knowing Naughty Dog is... has been in the past, like, a offender of that. Like, Uncharted 4, they, like... If you read Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels... Like Uncharted Four just had a hellish development cycle at the end, just because they were, they were so far behind to begin with when they switched directors of the game, and just oh man, I, I can't imagine working in video games. It like it's not fun from it's, what it sounds it's like. It's definitely just like kind of a passion child. Exactly. Like you need to have you need to love doing it in order to keep going. All right. There is no Microsoft or Nintendo news this week. It's a little light. Uh, I do know Luigi's Mansion's coming out this week. Luigi's Mansion Three for the Switch. So. If you're excited about that, get hype. Didn't people didn't they didn't like the second one, did they? I don't know. I feel like people were okay with it. It was just one of those things where it's like, why wasn't this on the Wii U at the time? It's like, oh, why because is this it was a three DS, wasn't yeah. it? So, I don't. I guess I don't know. I have heard that it takes advantage of dual sticks for the first time in the series, so that could be nice. Oh, yeah. Because I enjoyed the heck out of the first one. Still haven't beaten it. Was on the last boss. Never beat it. I rented it, so <laughs> I took those five-day little like chunks 
and played it for as much as I could, but I never could finish it. Yeah, I've it. never played a Luigi's Mansion outside of like a demo kiosk way back in the day for GameCube. So Yeah, and I can still remember the neck pain from that having to look up. That would make more that that would have been a funnier joke if we were on video already. <laughs> yeah, I, we just looked like pest dispensers. <laughs> Number two, according to a blue post on the official Blizzard forums, this year's BlizzCon's free stream is expanding. In addition to being able to watch the opening ceremony and all esports action over the coming weekend, viewers will also be able to watch the first four panels on the Mythic stage for free without a virtual ticket. According to Blizzard's currently released schedule for the con. These four events are currently titled Coming Soon, implying that implying that Blizzard has four new things to show off at this year's BlizzCon. We will speculate those uh, in a little bit here. I just wanted to touch on number three. Uh, it's safe to assume Heroes of the Storm, however, will not have a big presence at this year's BlizzCon. Shocker. Not only was it basically like just put on life support last year, but uh, it's because Blizzard has announced that the corrupt Deathwing will join the Nexus, and this was right. This was like this week again, so right ahead of BlizzCon. Why would you, unless you kind of wanted to ignore the game? Why would you announce something for it? Yeah, it's, the, it? it's a sneaky way of saying, yeah, no, this is this is the newest thing coming out. Uh, Deathwing will be a tanky character. Uh, I've gathered the following information from a Polygon, Polygon article by Michael McWeeder. Sorry if I mispronounce your name i doubt you're listening to this blizzard <laughs> promises that deathwing will be the largest dragon in the game topping even alex straza in her dragon form however he will remain in his dragon form for the entire match unique to deathwing will be um the fact that you are unable to interact with him via team members which means he cannot be healed or copied in the case of abathur instead of a mount deathwing will fly off the map where he can heal himself and restore his armor plates and then he'll be able to land anywhere on the map he's visible. When he lands, he'll be able to choose between two forms, Destroyer or Worldbreaker, which will change his moveset. Finally, his heroic ability harkens back to his Cataclysm cutscene, where he'll fly up into the air and burn the map and players below. If you are interested in a much more casual MOBA than... Uh, Good old League, League of Legends, Legends yeah. Uh, with a unique, it's a very unique take on the genre. You can play for free now on PC through the Blizzard Launcher. I like that they do neat stuff with this, like with some of these characters. Um, remember Cho'Gall back in the day? They, League of Legends just made their match for that character, finally. And it's not even as good. Cho'Gall is still one of the coolest uh, MOBA characters I've ever seen in my life. So they really doubled down, for those of you who don't know, is most MOBAs are 5v5. And Cho'Gall was a character that took up two slots. Two people had to control him together because he's a two-headed ogre. And if that wasn't cool enough, what I enjoyed about it is that year you got him if you went to BlizzCon or bought a virtual ticket. And then you had to play, I think it was like three or five matches with somebody else. And then you would give them Cho'Gall. So like in my case, I, I started the I started the herpes with our group. Because I, they, I had the virtual ticket that year. Too. Yeah, it was... and it's, I, I started giving them to friends, and we kept playing, and everybody eventually unlocked him, I assume, that wanted him, or that was playing at the time. And the two heads would always be fighting in the actual game, like World of Warcraft, and we found out that when you're playing the character, because one controls the movement and the other one controls like the heavy damage, um, you would start fighting with the <laughs> other head, like just like, like consequentially. Um 
And it was it was just a great character. They just came up with the first, just recent, not recently, but like a couple of months ago, they came out with a character called Yumi in League of Legends who can attach to other heroes and that she becomes untargetable, but she can use spells off of that character and it gives a buff, uh, a buff, buff to, you know, their stats and she can go from other characters. So she kind of becomes like a, an Abathur more. More like an Abathur than a Cho'Gall, but they still haven't come up with that yet. I think they're trying to avoid it because they already did it, and it would just be blatant copy, right? Which they've done before with, uh, with and Dota, I mean, especially. And I, but I mean, especially too, League of Legends has got to look out. I mean, they're actually a MOBA that matters. <laughs> yeah, as exactly. we're Blizzard, especially at this point, can just have fun with it because there's no competitive scene for the game. So just have fun. Like you're not catering to a group of people who are going to be like, "What do you mean I have to like play? What do you mean I can't like move? Like I have to just be like." attached to somebody's hip and they they put a unique and and that gives you them a unique bonus of not having to balance the game around the competitive scene which league of legends has to do league of legends has to take out a lot of fun stuff just because there's so much exploitation from the the competitive players so like oh nope you can't you can't have this character be super overpowered but heroes doesn't care about that they're like no this new character Screw it. They can become invincible for five seconds. Whatever. Although I'm sure, in fairness, Blizzard would much rather be balancing around a competitive scene for oh, a game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, so, right here is where we're going to put our BlizzCon predictions since topic of the week got really big this week. Yes. Uh, so, I asked us to come with four. We'll just alternate here, and then next week we'll get together and see who got the most right. Just kind of have some fun. So, I'll go first. My first BlizzCon 2019 prediction is Diablo 4 is announced. It is a 2021 game, and we will get a Diablo 2 remaster next year to tie us over. Ooh, that's a that's a big one because it's just skipping the first Diablo remake, right? Just going for the fan favorite? I was about to say, I don't see a reason to redo one other than just that they do seem to be going through. the, the Eventually the team, the remaster team, will need something to do. But they have uh, Warcraft Three Reforged that they're still working on right now. I just feel like, I feel like with Diablo, I feel like if you do it this way, and there's a lot of places saying that Diablo Four will probably be a 2020 game. I don't feel like predicting Diablo Four is that big of a reach. That's why I added some times and stuff to it. Though a lot of people think it's going to be next year, but I'm just I figure if you give what if you give D two then you can you almost have more wiggle room to screw up Diablo 4 because people can then just go back and play the game they love and are crazy over. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely I get that. So I feel like this is almost the safer route. If you give a Diablo 2 remaster before Diablo 4 comes out, you, you give yourself some wiggle room with Diablo 4 to maybe make a mistake like they did with Diablo 3 without everybody like just being up in arms because they don't have their game. Or you can also make some creative liberties when you have something to kind of chew on on the other side of your other cheek you know like they might want to go a new direction with diablo 4 considering i don't know maybe they just want all the same old same old that's what people love about diablo and it hasn't really changed that much from its core mm-hmm. you know and they they're gonna have some competition because path of exile has not stopped they've just kept the ball rolling so they need to catch up i think one thing that could help diablo 4 succeed they need to cater to the hardcore, but if they could put an easier curve into the game than Path of Exile has, because Path of Exile is basically just all like, good luck. Yeah. If they if they can have a level of complexity that Diablo 3 is lacking, 
but ease into it, unlike pillars, I feel like they could be in good shape. I, I agree. Don't change any of these. We can have similar predictions, so I don't want you to change any of yours if I beat you to one. So what is your first BlizzCon 2019 prediction, Jordan? My prediction and this is based off of the flack they've been getting they need something they need a smoke screen like it, like <laughs> they need pocket sand you know pocket, and the, <laughs> pocket sand <laughs> they need pocket sand and i think what will get the players back on their side whether they like it or not they need to announce something for starcraft anything whether it's like it's a tie-in like if they want to do like an like an offshoot game of starcraft because i think i think the story for starcraft is just straight up done but I think they might want to bring back RTSs. I, I, I feel like they've been, people have just been going off StarCraft Two for the longest time, for like over like half a decade now, right? Right, and I mean, part of the reason they remastered StarCraft is there were a lot of people who didn't even like StarCraft Two in that scene. Like exactly. They preferred the original one. So, and well, I mean, while World of Warcraft's going in, I don't think we're getting a War Four. So it, it would almost have to be StarCraft, right? Yeah, I, I, I think StarCraft is is the way to go in this situation i just think the thing they have to be careful about with rts is that i just don't think they are what they were like mobas have kind of taken that space over it was like it went like rts moba we had like an rts scene and then we had the moba scene and then we went for battle royale and maybe they need to do something creative with this one that's for sure they need a people loved brood wars and they need to do something a little more like that right on my number two and again, not really much of a stretch, but Overwatch 2 is announced. I think this will be the 2020 game, and it will somehow cause outrage. <laughs> That's part of my prediction. I don't know how. I, I just feel like they're going to come out and say something like, it's a completely different multiplayer grouping, and you have to buy all your skins again. I feel like something like that will happen. There, there needs to be a ball drop for Overwatch to be bad. Like Overwatch, anything involving Overwatch, if it needs to be bad, because... Everyone loves that game. Everyone loves that game. I mean, the only people that hate that game are people like Seth that can't play uh, competitive games because you end up hating your teammates. Well, and that's what he might like this more is because supposedly it's supposed to have a PvE mode, and that's supposed to be the big draw to this is the PvE mode. But that again, that's where I'm wondering, like, wouldn't it just be easier to like put out like a full-price expansion to just base overwatch so you can keep everything else the same unless you want to do like a real big systems rework but again does the game really need it i feel like most people who play overwatch still today are pretty happy with overwatch outside of the fact that it's a little stale and part of that has to do with again to your starcraft prediction apparently at some point they were working on a starcraft first person shooter that go that which they ended game? up canceling because no it was different like apparently it was more like a battlefield style like big oh. team one but they they canceled that because it was taking resources away from Overwatch 2, and Overwatch 2 was taking resources away from Overwatch. So it was just like a big cascading effect. Because both games are going to be running at the same time, which is why I imagine they would want they would want to make them separate instead of an expansion, because they're going to have to keep developing Overwatch well, I, 1. That's why I'm saying I almost think like you would do it. I don't think you do. I think you tried to get everybody to move over to Overwatch 2, and that's, again, where I'm saying. I feel like if you don't let people bring their stats and stuff over and skins especially that they've spent god knows how much money on you don't let him bring over that's people are gonna riot and i don't know if that is going to be the case but that's that's just my prediction something overwatch 2 is gonna sound great initially but then they're just gonna try to like sneak something by you real quick that people are gonna be like are you kidding me 
What's your number two, Jordan? I think they've been kind of... I feel like you need to put Hearthstone... I would have put Hearthstone on the front until just recently when it started getting, you know, all the controversy around it. Not the game itself, but just, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a hot topic that maybe they were going to announce something for it. And I think, like, from a financial point of view, they, they do. Maybe, like, another solo adventure or, or something like that. I don't think they'll go for a straight-out expansion, but... If they were, I think that would, you know, that's more pocket sand. I feel like an expansion's almost a must, like at BlizzCon especially. And the thing to note, it, note too is, like, there are Hearthstone panels on the schedule. So, like, there could, like, usually they don't hide announced games. That's what's so neat about four coming soons is theoretically there's four games. We have no idea. Yes. So, I, probably expansion then. Yeah, I agree. I think you can just do solo adventures throughout the, the year. Kind of just like, I mean, that a game like that needs it. So you need this huge surge of life from from uh, expansion instead of just like a solo story mode. Right on. My number three, WoW Shadowlands is real. Much like, much like Illidan was a main player in Legion, I feel like the Lich King is going to be a real player in this. And he's not necessarily going to be the guy we're after, but he's going to be a main character. Uh, where I'm going out on a limb, since that's pretty much a guarantee too, is... It is either going to unify the PvE experience, the way the story at Battle for Azeroth ended, I feel like they're just going to be like, play with whoever you want in PvE. Or, the factions will be split in a new way, where any race can be either faction for PvP purposes. And so, they... like, there might be, like, a new, you know, like, Thrall and his pal, Thrall and Anduin, Thrall, Anduin and pals that you can any race you can play as or you can be like Sylvanas and pals and play on her side and then basically it would split the game into two new factions that any race could be I see what you mean I mean I still haven't watched the end the end I've, obviously I've seen the ending um, you know cinematic but. I was about to say and this, this is based off all 825 stuff like something crazy could happen in 8.3 where we're all like we hate you again which is Probably what will happen in World of Warcraft. That's what we've been doing for 15 years now. That, yeah, that's what's going to be the thing. We can't have leaders like Thrawn Anduin being a thing because then there would just be no war. They, they would just make up and they're like, you know, come to their senses. And it's called World of Warcraft. Like, And we've always been working tentatively side by side when they would we would just start fighting each other and then all of a sudden something bad happens. They're like, okay, time out. Let's take care of this first, right. and then we could start hating each other again. Because I'm going to stab you in the back, and you're going to stab me in the back <laughs> while we're trying to kill this one thing. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to it. It's almost a guarantee that an expansion is going to be a, a call out. It has to be. Jordan, your number three. I mean, that was kind of mine as well. It okay. was just I don't. I think they'll keep it separate, and I think they have more. They're not as dumb with Sylvanas as I think they, they're going. Because if they are, this is just going to be, you know, Warlords, you know, Electric Boogaloo, number two. You know, I can't I can't have that. I, I made a promise I'd stop the stop playing the game. Sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> I, I'd stop playing the game if they made Sylvanas just another Garrosh. So I, I hope it's something different. Carl! My goodness, I'm sorry, folks. Um... Okay, so my number four, I'm going to put a number five in, but my number four will be what counts towards our points, but I do have a five too. 
My number four is outside of a release date, not a single word more will be said about Diablo Immortal. I feel like it's they're going to announce a date for it. There's a gag. I order. wouldn't be surprised if it was like it's out now, but then they're done. I yeah. don't think they talk about it. I don't even think they make a joke about it this year. Like you know, they could be cheeky and be all like, "Oh, last year we said you have phone." Like no, I don't even think they do that. I think they say this is the date. This is when you can play it. Done. All right, I get that. And then I'll just throw my number five in real quick. Uh, again, four coming soon panels. There's one thing that just isn't... There's something missing there. Yeah. And again, Diablo Immortals has already been announced, so I don't think they would hide a full panel for that, nor do I think they would be dumb enough to give it a full panel again. But um, I feel like Blizzard may... like Blizzard could be looking at the Battle Royale genre and be wanting a piece of that money pie. That too, yeah. And I mean, again, you could just make like a Heroes of the Storm style game. What if you made like a third person, just like, like brawl or action game kind of thing, and that was your MOBA? Yeah, I I think it'd or not be, MOBA, but you know, they, their their battle royale would definitely be something that that solidif- that takes things from their other franchises because that's what they do best. I think just creating a whole nother well. There we go again. That's what I was. That that just made me think of something. If they brought up a new franchise, they could put more fuel into Heroes yeah, of the Storm. I, and I guess theoretically <laughs> too, if they did a battle royale, it could just be a new IP. That's not against. I mean, especially they said they're doubling down on their existing IP. But if they could come up with a cheap, good game, I mean, look at Apex Legends. Like that can't be costing EA too much money, and it's a cash cow. Yeah, and I mean, look what happened with Overwatch. Like that was. I think that's the most popular one now without, you know, having so many people hate it. Like, there's there's a huge divided fan base in World of Warcraft, StarCraft 2. The only people that play it still are people that love it. Hearthstone is just, you know, if you can afford to play it, they do. Um, and whatever. Diablo, Diablo, people who is just like uh, StarCraft. It's, it's, it's shown so much less love just like uh, StarCraft that the only people that still play it are the ones that thoroughly enjoy it. Or they're playing Path of Exile. <laughs> you know, so I think they might need to come up with something new or just have another Heroes of the Storm love baby where they sing their own praises. Okay, so did your number four kind of get mixed in with that? Yeah, that was, okay. that was part of what I was going to do okay. was either they announce a new franchise or they do they just got to do something else. With any other other franchise. I guess theoretically, kind of going back to my first prediction, like a Diablo 2 remaster could warrant its own panel for the coming soon panels. Just talking about that, not necessarily our predictions. Just thinking about those four or coming soon panels. It, it's either the new franchise or I think they revive one of their scrapped attempts. Like, I would, st- I love first-person shooters PvE. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love Mass Effect. I love the, the the play style. Just like stupid meat shields walking around where you kill Kind of like Destiny, you know? Right on. BlizzCon 2019 is this weekend. We will check back next week and see who won. On with the news, number four. Bethesda, maker of Skyrim and Fallout, have hit an all-new time low, Jordan. good lord. According to an article on IGN by Joel Skirbles, uh, Fallout 76 now has a $100 a year, or $12.99 a month, subscription called Fallout First. While optional, this really just shows how scummy Todd and his friends have gotten, um, really starting when this game launched in November 2018. 
The membership allows you access to private worlds for you and up to seven friends, a scrap box with unlimited storage for crafting mats, a survival tent that acts as fast travel, uh, 1650 atomic pow power points per month to use on their in-game pay-to-win shop, an exclusive range of ranger armor outfit, which looks dumb. It does. <laughs> it looks so bad. And unique icons and emotes. Bethesda promises to allow changing of game rules sets on private servers in the future and even mention the possibility of mods. Jordan, it's not even working well right now. There's a lot of bugs. Well, the game wasn't. The <laughs> game already had bugs in it. They didn't even fix those yet. Like, you you can't just like if your leg's broken, you don't just keep like walking on it. <laughs> This was the worst time to do this, and I don't know how true this was. Talking to Nick, my cousin, um, he said that a lot of this stuff was promised as free updates at some point. And oh. they just like decided to roll it into a subscription. And this was a terrible time to do it with the Outer Worlds coming out. People are just going to slide out. It, it's exactly like the Diablo Path of Exile thing. When they announced Diablo Immortal, you just saw a huge exodus into Path of Exile. The game's called Path of Exile. They've been exiled from Diablo, and now they're playing this new game because they're like, hey, we're free. We love you. Come play our game. <laughs> and we talked about this last week. I want to reiterate. Xbox Games Pass. $1 for your first month if it's the first time you've signed up for it. $5 a month on PC right now. $10 a month on Xbox. We'll gain you access to the Outer Worlds and Fallout New Vegas, in addition to hundreds of other games, for like potentially eleven, seven, or five dollars cheaper a month than oh playing a God, crappy is... single-player Fallout game in twenty nineteen. Your whole life has to revolve around. You have to be a YouTube content creator whose sole video like uploads are just Fallout seventy six. To even and justify why? this. Why is that the game you're playing? Well, someone needs to do it, honestly. Like, all three Just people are probably like, thanks, man. Thanks for Yeah, thanks for taking content. one for the team, yeah. <laughs> this is this is unbelievable. I, I Like, I am... The like, audacity. I am not excited about Skyrim 6 right now. Because, like, what... Skyrim 6, Elder Scrolls 6. Like, what, what are they going to do to that game? I don't know. And, like... $12 horse armor, probably? The even... A month? <laughs> <laughs> they already the have, horse armor subscription pack they already have elder scrolls online yeah no I, i'm so todd howard is an idiot i don't know what you're doing <laughs> and i know it's probably not all him a lot of it's probably bethesda marketing but like this this just especially fallout 76 especially is not a good look and i feel like that like if it hadn't already this is like a permanent like blemish on the fallout yeah. name because i mean realistically you had fallout 3 the bethesda games Fallout 3, and then they contracted Obsidian to do New Vegas. Those are really the only two really good ones. Fallout 4 wasn't a bad game, but it was just more Fallout 3. Yeah, it was, it was Blender. And Fallout 76 is just a steaming pile of poo. Yeah, every... Do you know how quick the, the price dropped to, like, what was it, 20? I think it was, like, in a week or two, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was, it was. I mean, I know they were giving it like they were selling on Black Friday that year, and it came out in November. Black Friday that year, they were like, "Hey, come buy an Xbox controller, and we'll give you a copy of Fallout 76." I think the only game that came close to dropping that fast was probably Battlefront 2, and then they made improvements in the game. Yeah, to, that so. game's actually good now. <laughs> yeah, that game's so. actually good now. And then they, 
you know, they even took out some of the stuff that, you know, it was transactions Picked and stuff. that game for like two bucks a year ago. For two bucks, especially. Woo, that, it is a lot better. Number five, speaking of Star Wars. According to the Star Wars The Old Republic Facebook page, free-to-play players of the MMORPG can now enjoy the first two expansions, Rise of the Hut Cartel and Shadows of Raven, uh, for free. Shadows of Revan. Revan, excuse Revan. me. Uh, this comes right off the heels of the new Onslaught expansion launch last Tuesday on October 22nd. Free-to-play players can now experience the story of the first two expansions while on the way to the level cap of 60 that was introduced in the Shadows of Revan expansion. If you get a little free-to-play taste and want more, you absolutely should um, get play the other three expansions, which you can do if you subscribe for one month. If you subscribe for one month, you unlock access to all the expansions, and it, even if your sub lapses, you still have access to the expansions. So for 15 bucks, you get everything the game has to offer. I mean, theoretically, you have to keep still, you have to keep paying to like play raids and stuff, like the big stuff. But that's all you need, and you can do that on your way to the new level cap of 75. Number six. From an article on IGN by Adam Banhurst, Ubisoft has delayed almost everything they currently have cooking into the 2020-2021 physical year, which runs from August 1st, 2020 to March 31st, 2021. The games affected specifically are Watch Dogs Legion, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Gods and Monsters. The news broke during a financial call with CEO Yves Guillemont, where it was said that these decisions will hurt their um, physical projections for the 2019-2020 physical year, where most of them were supposed to come out. But the decision was made after soft sales of the past two games, Ghost, Con, or Ghost Recon Breakpoint and Tom Quincy's The Division 2. It's worth noting that the first game on each of those, so Ghost Recon Wildlands and The Division, were two of Ubisoft's best-selling games ever. So that's why that was such a big deal that they didn't do well as they were follow-ups to their biggest games and they just were very soft. Uh, quote, we want our teams to have more time, more development time to ensure that their respective innovations are perfectly implemented so as to deliver optimal experiences to the player, end quote. They went on to give reasons why they don't think, uh, why they think the games have been struggling, but it really just read as a plea to their investors not to give up faith in them rather than taking blame for the fact that Really, these games seem some par in crowded genres. I mean, especially this new Ghost Recon game, um, Breakpoint, went very Division, and they already have the Division, which is also up against Destiny, which is, like, the best state that game's ever been in right now. They're, they're cannibalizing their own, you know, uh, player base. By They're not going to get both if they're both the same. And I think I think Seth was playing the, the beta earlier, and it was... It was I don't know. They, they were having fun with each other. Right. You know what I mean? Like, not mm -hmm. with the game itself, but... Um, as of right now, Ubisoft has five games coming out in the 2020-2021 physical year, supposedly, including the three delayed games, probably a new Assassin's Creed, and the already delayed and seemingly in limbo Skull and Bones game. You know about Skull and Bones? I do not, no. It's basically like their pirate ship battle game, but every time they show it off, you're just kind of like, what? It's literally this whole game just pirate ship battles because like they don't look fun either. Yeah. So it's kind of that's an itch no one seems to know how to scratch correctly. And it's like PvP too. Like it doesn't look like it's PVE. That's at what I'm all, saying. So. It, I've been anyone that's known me for the past year has known I am always the one that's like pirate games. 
Make it a thing, Assassin's please. Assassin's Creed 4 was incredible. Black yeah, flag. That, that brought the itch back for everyone. Just uh, give us a good pirate game. I know it's good. It's difficult, I know, to get all the nuances of the pirate life, but, geez, just just make it a non-PG version of the pirates, like, online. I have heard, <laughs> I have heard Sea of Thieves as well improved, and you can play that on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, that's another one of those games where, like, the, the reputation was tarnished. And it had such potential at the beginning, and then it just found out there was just nothing in it. Yeah, it was a good sandbox, like, at first. Like, it was fun. Like, I played it with Matt Slade, and it was fun to just, you know, be pirates, like, talking to each other. Hang- it was a good hangout game. Yeah. And I've heard it's improved. I just haven't given it another chance. So, definitely something to keep in mind. Kind of like, uh, what was that game called? Uh, oh, what was that controversial game? Sky... Uh... Oh, No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky, yeah. No Man's Sky... Yeah, that, that's another one where like they made actual improvements to the game after the fact, but then by that time, everyone it was a meme. It was like, wow, we're, we're not going to give you a second chance, sorry. <laughs> and finally, the end of a long news section. Number seven, Death Stranding will not remain a PS4 exclusive for very long. The news comes directly from Kojima Productions' Twitter post, which reads, the fo- as, which reads as follows. My goodness, I can't talk today. Quote, Thanks to all of you who have been supporting Death Stranding. Death Stranding releases on PS4 this November 8th, 2019. Furthermore, Kojima Productions is happy to announce that Death Stranding will be coming to PC in early summer of 2020. End quote. I mean, cool. Saves me buying it on the PlayStation. And we'll see if it's actually any good. I I watched a gameplay of that game. Like, they put out 45 minutes of gameplay and... Um, Kojima was trying to explain what was going on, and I'm just like, Norman Reedus is carrying around a fetus. Yeah, and he's peeing and on He's people. taking a bath, yeah. and <laughs> oh boy. Well, this is just, I feel like if Kojima wasn't so ticked off, like this wasn't just such a vendetta game, he would have thought for a second, and I was like, maybe I should make this a PS5 exclusive. It would have been so good. I can't believe this game got done so quick. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was made out of the, the the vengeance in Kojima's heart and the vendetta that he has against everyone that has wronged him. And he could have played this a little more intelligently. I'm scared of it. I want to see. I'm going to watch other people play this game to see how they feel about it. But otherwise, oof. I was about to say, I'm, I'm excited to see what it's like. We have one more podcast before this game comes out after this one. And that's probably what And apparently, pe- like, reviewers have the game now. So people are playing this game, like... Because they probably need like 80 hours to get through it and then another 80 hours to contemplate what the hell they just did. (laughs) But who knows? So that's the end of the news. We'll go into email. Didn't get any. Uh, But if you want to email us comments, questions, concerns, story ideas, tell us how pretty we are, that you can get to us at brotakumoc at gmail.com. Last week we had a getaway for our. A getaway? What's getaway from this? A giveaway for. Our first podcast to celebrate. We gave away, or we're giving away a Kingdom Hearts 2 poster. And thankfully, I had few enough people put in for it where I was able to just put their names into a generator and I didn't have to pay for a generator to pull data from Facebook. Um, Mike Tapainer, congratulations. You won the Kingdom Hearts 2 poster. I'm excited because this means I can just give it to them directly and not have to pay for postage. <laughs> uh, this week, Giving away something else. Uh, we are giving away a U.S. Steam key for Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy. To win, like us on Facebook at Brotaku Men of Culture and like the giveaway post. I'll have some more rules on there. 
I went in and looked at like shared likes. I think I this. I think what we'll do this week is you'll get an entry if you do share the post, and you'll get an entry if you like the original post. I'm not gonna look at likes on those shared posts this time, just because theoretically at a certain point enough people would be sharing us, and we'd just get so many that that would be way too much to go through. So again, we're only two guys right now who have other jobs and commitments. Like this is just a fun. <laughs> side passion thing yeah, for us just a slice out of a day kind of thing jordan um the podcast this week i like we talked about last time we've been i've been podcasting on and off for a couple of years now uh, i've put together a lot of shows this week's podcast is the most work i have ever put into a show and it is because of this week's topic of the week which is the blizzard china controversy uh so I kind of wrote this. It's probably going to feel more like a serial podcast the way we read this. So I did the research and all this and put together this segment. Uh, and it's so long, I don't want to try to read through this all by myself. So we'll, we'll be splitting up basically on paragraphs here. Yeah. Oh, um, goodness. So like I said, if you're plugged into video games at all, you know what's going on with Activision Blizzard in China. But if you don't, we're here to cover you. I want to preface this by saying I personally don't know a ton about China or Hong Kong or the situation that's going on, so I'm going to try to stay out of that. Other than what, it, then other other than the story pertaining to Blizzard. So maybe if you know something and want to interject, I just know they're fighting for their freedoms. Uh, it would be disingenuous, I feel, to put out information on a topic that deserves respect and actual knowledge of what's going on. That said, I do know enough about what's going on that this piece is definitely anti-China. In pro Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really hard to get information that's unbiased on this topic on the internet right now, especially with everything that's happened. So, it, and living in America, of course, things are going to have kind of this uh, a certain point of view, and it's at living in America all of our lives, it's hard for us to see the other side as well. But you know, I I don't have anything to really defend it, so because I've been living here my whole life, right. Um, so I put this piece together myself, but information came from the following sources. A Time article by Peter Allen Clark, a Kotaku article by Joshua Rivera, an IGN article by Jordan Serrani, and official Blizzard posts and tweets. So this all started on October 6th when Hearthstone esports professional Blitz Chung from Hong Kong was taking an interview after the end of the Grand Masters second season of 2019. Blitz Chung, who was one a grouping in the grandmasters appeared on an official taiwanese hearthstone stream with a ski mask and a gas mask similar to those worn by hong kong protesters protecting themselves from tear gas and the whatnot yes. um the two casters of the stream apparently said say what you're going to say and ducked under their screen appear like they appeared to be giggling uh butz chung then said what translated to be liberate quote liberate hong kong revolution of our age end quote showing his support for the Hong Kong um, protesters. The stream was immediately cut and scrubbed from Blizzard's Twitch page, but it's the internet. It never dies. Yep, no, it's there forever. Uh, his punishment was swift and harsh, coming only two week, two days later from Blizzard. Uh, Blizzard stated that Blizz Chung violated Grandmaster tournament rules, uh, quote, engaging in any act that in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public dis uh, disrepute, uh, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard image. Uh, ellipses. Grand, ellipses, yes. Grandmasters <laughs> is the highest tier of the 
of the Hearthstone, Hearthstone eSports, and we take tournament rule violations very seriously. Uh, simply put, Blizzard wants to keep politics out of their official streams. Uh, Blizzard's, uh, Blizzard's punishment took away Blitz Chung's prize money and banned him from competitive Hearthstone for a year. They also permanently banned both of the casters that were involved in the interview. However, the most damaging thing Blizzard said in, in their response was, quote, we will firmly protect the pride of the country just like we always do, end quote. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just China. the same with like the, the internment camps. And yeah, yeah it, it, it doesn't spell good for Blizzard. So why would Activision Blizzard, an American company, support such ter- uh, such a terrible place as China? Capitalism, baby! Blizzard is currently 5% owned by Chinese gaming company Tencent. Tencent actually owns a stake in a lot of American gaming companies, including outright owning 100% of Riot Games. Which is funny, because Riot's kind of taking shots at Blizzard during this, and it's like, what are you talking about? But anyway, back to my point. <laughs> China has the fastest growing PC gaming and mobile sector in the world. So for a company trying to make money, which is the point of um, a company, like they, they're not here to be our friends. They want to yeah. make money. But it's probably um, best not to anger a company in Tencent that has close ties to the Chinese government. The problem is the internet mob decided that this was the final straw. Uh, Activision Blizzard hasn't had the greatest year. Um, and especially after a bad PR message, um, they had a bad BlizzCon in 2018, laying off large number of staff, despite the record profits and this PR disaster that they've gotten themselves into. Goodness gracious. And people from the Western world specifically began slamming Blizzard for standing by a country that does horrible things and began calling for BlizzChung and the casters to be unbanned, to boycott all Activision Blizzard products, and for a statement to be made on this issue. It is worth noting that Blitz Chung mentioned in an interview that he knew there would be discipline for what he did, but he didn't expect it to be as harsh or for the casters to be taken down with him. Uh, however, he did not regret what he did, stating that this is bigger than just video games. Uh, Blizzard's own employees staged a walkout and covered and covered the two of the pillars that had the company's values there's like around their thrall statue. Just yeah. for the interjection record. Around their thrall statue outside. Uh, the two values covered were think globally and every voice matters. Additionally, those who walked out held up umbrellas, another symbol of Hong Kong protests over the year, as well as a tool used for protection against police retaliation. Again, like most of the things, like what we think of as symbols of this, like it's because these people have to use these yeah, things to defend themselves. They're practical. They're, they're out here, <laughs> for the most part, peacefully protesting. I'm sure there's bad apples, but for the most part, they are being peaceful. And the Chinese government's just like shooting tear gas at them and God only knows what else. Like we're not there. Anyway, uh, the American uh, University Hearthstone team held up a sign on Tuesday, October 8th during a U.S. stream in support of Hong Kong and Blitzchung and said when interviewed on October 10th that they still had not been banned and were fully expecting to. Like, they got together, talked about this, and were all like, let's make our case and see what happens. Um, This led to the belief that Blizzard only cared about the Blitzchung situation because they were in China's eye. Their Their ban was six months We'll get to that. That's not as bad as it sounds here, but I, I kind of had to out-of-order things just for the sake of this. Um, their ban was only six months and came on October 16th, so they did finally get around to it, 
but the bands took so much longer than Blitzchung's, and his were done at just after two days, and again, that had people thinking that was just because China doesn't care about what Americans are saying. Yeah, that was straight in their line of sight, right? It wasn't just like yeah, something was that the ta- was... The original issue was on the Taiwanese... And it was on the Grandmasters stage, yeah. too, so that's why it, they needed to make a statement. Uh, on October 9th, Hearthstone streamer Brian Kibler announced that he would back out of casting the Hearthstone Grand Finals at BlizzCon this year. I want to interject. Like, he is a big name in Hearthstone. Oh, yeah, he's a huge name in Hearthstone. If you look at the streamers on Hearthstone, like, at any point in time, he's at least at the top, you know, all the time, even when he's offline. Um, in a statement, he said that the punishment was correct and that it was also incredibly harsh. And it says, quote, I won't pretend to understand either the intricacies of the geopolitical situation in China and Hong Kong or the full extent of Blizzard's business interests there, but to me, this penalty feels like it is deeply rooted in both, end quote. Kibler wrote, uh, and he went on to say that he realizes that not everyone has the means to boycott Blizzard the way that he's doing, as many casters rely on big yearly gigs like this for their livelihood, but he thought he had the means to stand up for what he believes is right. Right, and I do, this is the first time I mention this while writing this, and I, I don't think I, I don't think I hit home on this enough. Like, it is in the rules. Like, you're not supposed to use a Blizzard platform for things like political agenda. Yes, and it's also supposed to mean other things as, as to prevent other things as well. I mean, if you just go up after winning the the grand finals and just say and just drop a huge end bomb, like <laughs> right. this is supposed this is supposed to cover a, a broad you know, territory with that sort of thing and that's why that's why I affected it the way it did. Right, but again, none of this stops here. Other yeah. companies piled on in this time including Epic CEO Tim Sweeney. He said they would never cut a player based on their political views or because of a political statement. Quote, Epic supports everyone's rights to express their views on political and human rights. We wouldn't ban or punish a Fortnite player or content creator for speaking on these topics. End quote. What's interesting about this and worth noting is that Tencent also has a stake in Epic, but the company is not public with Sweeney being the majority owner. Remember, folks, this whole thing is capitalism and making money in the Chinese market. Because, again, if you're not public, like Blizzard, Activision Blizzard is public, they have shareholders, they have people being like, why aren't you making us money? Tim Sweeney can just be all like, whatever, I don't care, this is all mine anyway. Yeah, this is his <laughs> company. Uh, fans on Reddit specifically decided to turn May, who's an Overwatch character, you know, owned by Blizzard, uh, into a symbol of the Hong Kong protests and attempt to get the, name, the game banned in China. Uh, while it hasn't been at this time... Uh, many protesters have taken a liking to this and have adopted her as a symbol for their cause. Uh, you would think Activision Blizzard would make a statement, reverse direction, and try to save as much face as they could. But in reality, things were just, you know, rolling down yeah, the hill it, at this it point. It keeps going. <laughs> and I, I do want to interject here real quick is like, I see a lot of like, you know, people complaining on Reddit about this stuff. You're, you, we're not doing anything. You're not changing the world. I'm yeah, sorry. It's, it's not affecting anything but it is kind of cool to see something that like us in our parents basement came up with I, you know i we're both out on our own just people in their parents basement as like a general term like it is kind of nice to see that something they came up with was well liked and there was actually like that south park episode recently where they said f china in the episode and it got south park completely scrubbed off chinese internet and people were just like on with projectors out in the street in china like just playing that on repeat oh like, my lord um, 
So yeah, like you said, things were getting started. Um, it took almost a full week of dumpster fires for Blizzard to reply, and when they did, uh, they put it out on October 11th, a Friday, during the evening, when most video game news sites that were uh, majorly covering this are shutting down for the weekend. What could have been so difficult that it took a week to respond? All you need to say is China's wrong, and as an American company, we won't want to be associated with all the horrible things China does that is against our values as a company. Well, again, capitalism and the almighty dollar. Blizzard CEO J. Allen Brack was about to insult everybody. In, regard to, in regards to the Blitzchung, uh, Blizzard doubled down by saying that he did, in fact, broke the rules. And again, like I said, he did do that. I don't want that lost. He broke the rules. There was going to be some sort of punishment for this. Um, they said he wasn't banned for his political stance, uh, but just that he should use personal platforms to do this. He shouldn't be using their platform. Um... But, you know, it's okay for Blizzard to be all like, hey, Tracer's a lesbian, uh, haha, which, you know, could be interpreted as a political stance, especially in today's day and age with that being such a, being one of the civil right movements going on right now. They were definitely cashing in on having the diversity yeah. that could have been involved. But, hey, yeah. that helps them make a profit. Mm -hmm. So they can make a stance when it helps them make money, but, man, don't make a stance when it could help, would hurt them. Anyway, um, they continued to say that the casters... Uh, were hired to promote the game and that they failed to do so by letting this happen. Finally, they talk about how they should have taken more time to assess the situation and handle it less hastily, which is easy to say when your China overlords aren't paying attention, but that's not the point either. I'm interjecting a lot, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to this uh, last point, they decided to reduce uh, Butch Chung's um, suspension to six months and give him his prize money back. They also... Um, uh, shorten the caster suspension, which as far as everything I found, they were just yeah, they were done. done. They were um, fired. Yeah, they're now down to six months too. Uh, Butch Chung responded to this once again, saying that what that what yeah, he knew what he was doing was wrong, but it was a calculated risk he felt he needed to take. He thanked Blizzard, but did not commit on whether or not he'd be back after his ban. There was actually another card game, which I have no idea what it was called. I don't follow it at all. Sorry, I'd have to look it up. But they were all like, hey. We'll pay you your prize money and come play our card game at our finals. So that, that was kind of neat. And I, again, everything's done for money. Like, they weren't doing that out of the kindness of their heart. They wanted to look good in the situation. But And again, he didn't think his message was wrong. He knew that what he was yeah, doing no, he, was against the rules. Yeah, like, he was completely fine with what he, doing, what he was doing. Everything I found, the only thing he regretted was the fact that it affected the casters, too. Yeah, because even that, getting his prize money taken away, it was a surprise, but it wasn't, you know, he, he expected some sort of retaliation, but I can't expect if this was put in a different political view, if it was just China, uh, would the same thing have happened so swiftly and so decisively and so, it, it was, it hurt, like, yeah. like it, 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 that's a person's, like, way of, you know, living, right. is, is their, their monetary intake, and he already won. He already won that yeah, prize yeah. money. I, I, maybe I didn't put that there. Yeah, like he won the tournament. He had money. And they just were going to be like, nah. Which again, technically in the rules, but this whole thing blew up in their face. Yeah, good so. lord. Uh, needless to say, this isn't what fans wanted Blizzard to say. Just saying no to China is what people wanted. But it, if it wasn't by now, this is no longer Blitzchung Blitz versus Blizzard issue. But Western values and freedom versus a company that claims all of those things were supporting a country that believes and acts the opposite. Uh, calls from protests began to get louder. Nintendo was supposed to have a launch party for Overwatch, 
on the Switch at their New York store on October 16th. Uh, some game devs were going to be there to meet and greets and autograph signings. Uh, however, at the last minute, Nintendo tweeted that they would be canceling the event and that this was all Blizzard's doing. Uh, neither Blizzard nor Nintendo gave further details, but it's safe to assume that they were afraid of the protests that would come from this. Uh, this led many to believe that Blizzard is afraid of actually facing the music on their actions. And we all know how the internet can be when they smell fear. They like sharks. Yeah, it's like a wounded tiger. Um, it did kind of come out, and it, it was kind of through like back channels that there were threats, at, which led to this being canceled. And you know, Nintendo of America store probably doesn't have like security or anything. But again, I just feel like the longer you put this off, the worse it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, the internet went with that anonymous mask over them. They they get a little more violent than they would have if they were protesting in person. Right, so the last major event that's happened with this whole ordeal so far, and possibly the most eye-opening, came on October 18th when the U.S. Congress, that's right, the U.S. Congress is now involved, sent a bipartisan, bipartisan. both parts, Republican-Democrat, uh, letter to Activision Blizzard. This letter was penned, I'm going to screw some of these names up, so I apologize, I don't follow politics as closely. Um, the letter was penned by Ron Wyden and Marco Rubio, with support from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, thank you, (laughs) Mike Gallagher, and Tom Malawinski, and was addressed to Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard. It is important to note that this was penned before Blizzard's lightning of the bans and before they returned the money, but the most interesting part reads as follows, quote, We write to you to express our deepest concerns about Activision Blizzard's decision to make player Blitzchung forfeit his prize money and ban him from participating in tournaments for a year after he voiced his support for pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. This decision is particularly concerning in light of the Chinese government growing appetite for pressuring American business to help stifle free speech, end quote. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. government that probably couldn't agree on how to milk a cow agrees that the mess Blizzard has got themselves into is a real crapshoot. So the biggest issue from Blizzard here is it's just not going away. Like, even on quiet days, which there have been a lot fewer quiet days than there's not been, uh, the problem just gets brought up somehow, some way. Like, I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts. I listen to a daily one. And just every day, like, somebody writes in asking about it. Like, I don't feel like this is just going to blow over. And like I said before, the longer you cage this, the worse it's going to be. BlizzCon 2019 should be fun to watch. Oh, my God. I feel like they're going to cut. There's going to be a lot of cuts and streams. There's going to be a lot of, like, oops, it went down. And there's going to be a lot of pre-recorded stuff. Because I know that's what they did during the the world scene with the League of Legends uh, at Worlds. Was they pre-recorded the announcers like the afterwards uh at they did it during the analysis so they knew the what the game was gonna how it like after it ended like who won and things like that they would have an analysis portion and then they would do the pre-recording that they had and i'm thinking if they don't do something else and that's the end of what we had written so now we're just going completely off just chatting but i feel like there's gonna be like one q a and then it's just going to be, like, questions off Twitter if they even do Q&A the rest of the week. Because, I mean, it's been an issue at BlizzCon for a while now. Like, BlizzCon, they, when you go up to ask a question at BlizzCon, you get screened. But then you can just say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, famously, Red Shirt Guy did that originally. The guy who schooled Chris Metzen on his own lore. 
he, he'd asked a different question because they kept telling him, no, we're not asking more questions. We're not asking lore questions. And then he just went up there and asked a lore question. Now he's a legend. He's in World of Warcraft. <laughs> Similar, the is this an out-of-season April Fool's joke guy from Diablo Immortal last year? Same thing. He had a question, another question approved and then just got up there with the mic. I feel like that happens once, maybe twice, and then they're just all like, okay, no more Q&As this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely ruins it. And... um yeah, oh my goodness. I bipartisan. Yeah. Like if anything, if even if you're like pro China, like you you have to say like, "Hey Blizzard, can you be a little less obvious next time?" Which honestly, <laughs> like I just, I don't know how you could be pro China. Like not living in China. How? But I'm but I'm saying even if you are, right, even right. the e- I'm talking about the companies like even like a good example of this is Riot, like own a hundred percent by it, or even like, come on guys, like I can't believe. Can you do like, can you be a little more careful next time? Well, and I think what makes matters even worse is the NBA recently had their own China issues, yeah. and the commissioner of the NBA came out and said, "No, China sucks." Essentially, like paraphrasing, and he's even come out and said since then, he's like, "We've lost a lot of money because I said that." But he's like, I, we are an American company, and we're going to stand by the values of this country. Which, I mean, I know we're not the most yeah, I am. pristine country in the world either. We've got our demons hiding in the closet. Yeah, and but. also, let me state that people that know me know I am by no means, like, a huge patriot. Like, I, I can see our country through, like, I, I can see it, uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, objectively, the, the problems we have and things like that, as all people should. And I also like to play devil's advocate on a lot of issues and stuff like that. But I cannot physically put myself in the shoes of the other side on this. So I, it, it seems like it's it's pro-America patriotism, but there's obviously, like, the opposite is not good. Like, right. <laughs> like, it's like agreeing with, like, the Nazis. Like, yeah, I'm I not mean, making that. They're basically putting people in concentration camps. Like, yeah. they call them different things, but, like... They're horrible. Like, I was reading a story today where somebody got out of one and was all like, they're like, they're raping us. They're making us infertile. Like, they're just horrible things. And, like, it, it's almost sad that, like, it's almost sad that it's taken video games to get me to, like, realize some of this stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, it's at least better late than never, I suppose. And, I mean, unfortunately, it's like, what can I do about it? I really can't do anything. And it's it sucks. It, it also makes me, like, again, like, we might not be the we might not be the greatest country in the world, but man, much rather be here than living in China. It's true. I mean, that, I think that's something people would tell their kids growing up is like, oh, I don't like it here. Like, well, it could be worse. You could be somewhere else that wasn't here. We're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. Well, that was a meaty topic of the week. Like I said, that's the most work I've ever put into a podcast this week. It well, was... it it deserves the 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 work that it's put into. Honestly, it's. Like you said, like it, it's become such a big thing, and it's always been a thing that it's starting to slip into our our mainstream media, even our mainstream media, just like with you know you know nerd culture, you know when it starts to affect us, we're we're fanatics when it comes to the the topics that we love, and when it starts to affect us, now we're getting involved too, and now we have opinions on the matter, and now we're informed as well, at least a little bit more. Like I said, the information on the matter is, is, is pretty bottleneck right now. But besides that, it, it, you can only hold the people's voice for so long. 
Indeed. Uh, I got two more quick things before we get out of here, but we are about to get out of here. Uh, number one, I am working on, I'm going to submit this week after we get, after we get some temp art up, because I want to have thumbnails and stuff like that. Uh, we're going to submit to iTunes and all that and see if we can't get our podcast on there. I don't know how stingy they are or how that works. Uh, so I'm saying we're going to do that. I don't know if it will actually happen, but it doesn't seem too hard. It seems like you just submit the stuff. And if we're not sitting here spouting racial slurs, which we're not, um, we'll be good to go. And, uh, please let me know. Like I said, I want this to be a family friendly podcast. So if we say something that you feel like is offensive or we shouldn't be saying, or you wouldn't want said in front of your kids, let, let me know. Cause I do want to be accessible. Like I don't want to be a raunchy podcast. I mean, there's a time and place for that kind of thing. I don't want that to be this. Um, but that being said, we do have an RSS feed. You can find it on our, on our Facebook page. I'll be linking it to other stuff. And what you can do with the RSS feed is that's essentially what iTunes and all that pulls off of anyway. So you can plug that into a podcast app. Like I use podcast addict and I plugged our RSS feed into that and it's pulling these episodes. So as we update an episode, it'll update just like iTunes would. It's basically like manually putting a podcast in where itunes like itunes pulls off the feed and then gives it to you you can just put the feed directly in so as long as you have a place for an rss feed you can do that and also i wanted to plug the fact that extra life is this weekend uh we're not participating the whole day but i still wanted to bring it to everyone's attention since it's a great cause extra life is a fundraiser that actually runs all year and it raises money for local children's miracle network hospitals across north america Every year they have a day of play, which encourages people to stream games for 24 hours to raise money for said cause. This year's day of play is this Saturday, November 2nd. While we won't be streaming 20, the full 24 hours, I personally we will be participating in my fourth day of play over on our Twitch channel, which once I set it up will be twitch.tv slash brotaku moc. Uh, I will link that to our Facebook page. Most of this information will probably be up Wednesday. I won't do it any later than Wednesday since I want to give this show will go up tomorrow on Tuesday. So I want to give this a little time to breathe and then I'll start hitting that. I know it's a little last minute, but I mean, it was one of those things where I thought about starting this podcast and doing and that came into my mind at the same time. So I went with this instead of really hitting Extra Life hard. But now next year we'll have a platform to do Extra Life off of. And maybe we can do something where like, we just do streams throughout the year for it. Like maybe like once a month we'll get together and just stream some games together. Um, I will be streaming starting on... It's I'm planning right now 7 a.m. Central Time, and I'll be playing Fortnite till at least noon. I will be raising money for the Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. Um, however, I am busy later in the day, so it won't be a 24-hour stream. You're busy too, so you won't be there. But hey, like if any of my friends are listening or... If anybody who isn't a friend is listening to this thank you first of all and second of all if you, you want to play hit me up we'll play some Fortnite together so my current plan is every time i die i will donate a dollar and I'll, I'll i'll keep track of this and do it all at the end i'm not going to sit there and put my card in every time but i'll donate a dollar every time i die and if i manage any wins ten dollars for a win i'm good enough at Fortnite where occasionally i sneak a win in but like i also haven't played in a while so it'll probably just be a lot of small dollars adding up over time Oh man, how many how many dollars are going to be earned just from not finding you know a pistol and in the or some guy finds a shotgun in the first room that you guys fight over? Cure all these kids' ailments. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can uh, donate, head over to the Brotaku Men of Culture Facebook page, and I'll have a link to my personal Extra Life page 
on there where you can donate if you choose. Again, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, I'll have this stuff up on Wednesday. So check out the Facebook page there. Every little bit helps. So if you can, come check it out. Jordan! Another week in the bags. Episode 2 of the Brotaku Men of Culture Games Weekly Podcast. Yeah, and this one this one was definitely a bit longer. And, I mean, the other one was like an hour and 20 minutes. We're at an hour 36 right now. So. This one, and this one had some meat. That was an introductory one, and this one had some meat on it. I'm, I'm excited to see. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling next week's... I feel, I feel like BlizzCon's going to be such a news topic next week. That that's going to be topic of the show, like news and topic of the show will just kind of blend together. At a certain point, we'll just switch to BlizzCon, and then we can just talk about BlizzCon in general while we're going through the news. So Yes. Look forward to that. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.